the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stupidity on Parade. There is so much stupidity out there right now, I don't know where to begin. But uh, what do you say we start with California? Here's what the governor, and you remember Gavin, Gavin Newsom tweeted. This is a tweet from Governor Gavin Newsom. I think was he tweeted it today. Quote, California is what happens when rights are respected, when work is rewarded, when nature's protected, when diversity is celebrated and free markets are fair markets. We are nothing less than the progressive answer to a transgressive president. Now, that's what he said, quote, unquote. Now, you remember Gavin. He's the former mayor of San Francisco, where people poop in the streets and people are pooping on the streets where they live in cities all over California. So, as Gavin said, California is also what happens when thousands of people live on the streets and use the sidewalk for their toilet. Here's Dr. Drew Pinsky. He lives in L.A. We have complete breakdown of the basic needs of civilization in Los Angeles right now. We have the three prongs of airborne disease, tuberculosis is exploding, rodent-borne, we are one of the only major cities in the country that does not have a rodent control program, and sanitation has broken down. We had a typhus outbreak last summer. We will have a typhus outbreak this summer. I'm hearing from experts that bubonic plague is likely. It's already here. It will get onto the rat fleas. And then now, finally, we have this, this oral fecal root contamination, which is yeah. typhoid fever, three cases, one confirmed, probably three. This is unbelievable. I can't believe... I live in a city where this is not third world, Laura. This is medieval. Third world countries are insulted if they are accused of being like this. No city on earth tolerates this. The entire population is at risk. And God forbid if measles, this is a population that's suboptimally immunized. If measles gets in, I, I just have an image of myself on my knees in the gutter attending to people because this is this summer is likely to be a very profound problem. So people in Bangladesh would be embarrassed if uh, if someone went on, if they have a TV station over there, if somebody went on TV and said, I think we might have some bubonic plague over here. That would embarrass them in Bangladesh, is what he's saying. And he did say bubonic plague. And he said third world countries, like Bangladesh, would be embarrassed to say that they have bubonic plague. But he said it's likely likely that it shows up in California. But Gavin Newsom said California is what happens when rights are uh, respected, when work is rewarded, when nature's protected, when diversity is celebrated and free markets are fair markets. We are nothing less than the progressive answer to a transgressive president. Now, here's the thing. When he said uh, he says a lot of ridiculous things there, but when diversity is celebrated and free markets are fair markets. See, as soon as you start, if you're in government, you start using the word fair. Fair is very subjective. So a free market is either a free market or it's not. Gavin Newsom doesn't get to decide what's fair. And we'll have more from somebody else from his party uh, in the next segment uh, uh, speaking about what's fair. And she's unbelievably stupid, but bubonic plague now um this is i just so you haven't have forgotten maybe what bubonic plague is or was you know it's not something that you hear about a lot but it's it's he said it's likely for los angeles he's the governor of california and he's out there saying how wonderful california is but it was also known as the black death the bubonic plague was it killed over 200 million people Two, not 200, 200 million people in Europe and Asia. Now, of course, it was a few years ago, back in 48. 1348. That's a, I think that qualifies as medieval, doesn't it? A third of Europe was wiped out in about two weeks. Two weeks. Now, 
they uh, they probably didn't have a, a vaccination or you know they they weren't real up on their um, medical treatments back in 1348. And uh, people used to throw poop out the windows. I think you know they would they didn't have toilets, so they would just, you'd have to be careful when you were walking by somebody's uh, house because they would it could be when they're entering their bedpan or whatever they called it. Uh, thunder mug, I think, was one another word they used for it. But this is, I mean, that was 1348. This is 2019, going on 2020 here pretty soon. And they're talking about bubonic plague in Los Angeles. And it's, you know, it's, or it could be coming to California. Again, the doctor, he said it's likely bubonic plague, the Black Death. But California is what happens. Uh, never mind. You would think that the people in government, you know, like governors and mayors, would feel like they owe people who aren't drug addicts and bums who live on the street. He, they, they would owe it to those people who aren't like that to get them off the street before, you know, typhoid fever and bubonic plague set in. I'm old enough to remember when people who did uh, what these people are doing were known as bums. And if you were being nice, they were known as vagrants. But this is what's happening in California. Gavin Newsom is all over it. He loves it. And, and of course, one thing he also didn't mention is happening in California. People are leaving in droves. Maybe they have some kind of an aversion to poop on the streets when they're walking, you know, to work. Anyway, we have more stupidity on the way from someone who is uh, good for a daily dose of stupidity. Sometimes, actually, double and triple doses. That would be Alexandria overrated Cortez. She's not in California, but she may as well be. Stick around. Okay, meat lovers, Beef Jerky Outlet presents over 100 delicious ways to get your snack on. There's nothing slim about these big flavors. This is high-end quality gourmet jerky in more flavors than you've ever thought possible. From wild game to pepper and spice to sweet and savory, there's something for everyone. Flavors like honey jalapeno, Cajun barbecue beef brisket, sweet bourbon traditional, Asian sesame, teriyaki, cherry maple, and peppercorn smoked beef, just to name a few. With Father's Day coming up, this is a total no-brainer for the guy in your life. Visit BeefJerkyOutlet.com for fabulous gift ideas. Plus, check out their phenomenal selection of rubs, sauces, and marinades. Beef Jerky Outlet at Tanger Outlets in Washington and their brand new location at Grove City Outlets. Beef Jerky Outlet, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday right here on the John Stoggerwald Show. Check them out, beefjerkyoutlet.com. We're talking to Rocky Blyer. He's involved with the Miracle League of Moon Township and the construction of a Miracle League athletic field. The fields are designed to make it possible for kids with special needs to play sports. Every child, no matter what the situation, deserves a chance to be able to play, to compete, and have a place that's safe, takes care of needs, that's organized. This will be the fourth Miracle League field that will be built. Now we've got four places to be able to travel, so it broadens the whole interest of sports. It's just terrific for a community to do that. There's a buddy system I thought was pretty impressive. What's that all about? Kids with special needs have a buddy, a, a child who's in school. It's like having an older brother or sister involved with you. So it's really good in that everybody has human dignity of being able to participate. The website is miraclesinmoon.org. Check it out and let's help make this dream a reality. Hey, Rocky, thanks. And uh, we'll be talking hey. again about this project. Appreciate you coming on to talk about it. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Take it, it easy. Thanks. Rocky Blyer, right, and we'll be right back are you about to pay double for roof replacement or repair if you haven't called windows or us you just might many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double with over 50 years in home remodeling windows are us is more than a window company they're the area's premier exterior replacement company for siding doors gutters downspouts and roof replacement and repair factory certified by north america's largest roof manufacturer windows are us will never overcharge you'll love their no pressure sales approach straightforward pricing and the fastest turnaround in the business right now get zero interest for 12 months on up to $20,000. Windows R Us will match any competitor's price. No hidden fees or surprises ever. Schedule a free roof inspection today. Mention AM 1250 for an exclusive 10% off. Why pay double? 
visit the area's premier exterior replacement company. Windows R Us, more than a window company. Visit windowsruspittsburgh.com. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free. I want to personally thank all my Plug-In Pest Free customers who have taken the time out to call, write, and who have left messages to thank me for ridding their homes and businesses of unwanted rodent and pest problems. So from me to you, I thank you. Plug-in Pest Free is the only scientifically tested and, more importantly, consumer-proven electromagnetic pest management system since 1995. Why put up with those annoying rodents and pests any longer? Plug-in Pest Free is 100% chemical-free, making it your safest bet to manage your rodent and pest problems around your family and pets. With a 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code SAVE20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. Go pestfree.com today. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So, uh, on with the stupidity. Alexandria overrated Cortez was on the loose again. Uh, Sandy, as we like to call her here, was talking about affordable housing. And she told the story about her luxury apartment in D.C. I move into this luxury building in D.C. And what it does it have, it's, it's an efficient building, it's clean, it has public space, it has a rooftop garden, y'all watching my Instagram, it has all of these things, right? It has clean air, it has clean water. And I think about this and I'm like, hmm, this is what a luxury building is like, right? I just toured an affordable housing unit yesterday in Queens. And this was one of the first developments of its kind in the borough of Queens in almost 30 years. 67 units of affordable senior housing. 20 to 30% of those units were reserved for seniors who were formerly homeless. It's a phenomenal building. It was built using passive house methods and technology. So it's 90% more carbon efficient and 90% cleaner than any other building in New York City. And it's affordable housing run by a not-for-profit. So I go in and I, I do a tour with one of these seniors, right? And she opens the door and I look and I open it and it looks just like my apartment. <laughs> It looks just like my luxury, my apartment, right? So what that shows me and that what, what that tells us is that what we have been taught that is a luxury should not be a luxury. It should not be a luxury. We can live in buildings. We do not have to be price gouged to live in a building with cockroaches and dirty air and, and that endanger our kids with lead in the paint. Another world is possible. We can live in places and we can live with either responsible landlords or we can live in buildings that are not-for-profit or tenant-owned. There are so many ways that we can slice this and we can and we can structure it in a way where all people have a right to a dignified home and it's not science fiction and it's not just for the rich because what we have been taught and what we have been conditioned is that basic rights are a luxury and a privilege when they are not. They are not. Uh, I don't know who said that um, living in an apartment that had clean water was a luxury. Has anybody ever said that to anybody? Has anybody ever believed that? She, she was describing her luxury apartment. Aside from the rooftop garden, which you could have probably in a dump, but, but let's say that's, you know, that's a luxury, I'm sure. Um, she was describing her luxury apartment, and the thing she pointed out was it had public space. What is that, a lobby, I guess? Um, and it had clean water. Now, do people who don't live in luxury apartments, do they have dirty water? Like when you turn on the, you know, when you go in the in the kitchen, you turn on the, the turn the faucet on, and you just, does mud, muddy water come out? Do you have to boil your water? This is this is not now what uh, is considered luxury. Now, remember, uh, this is a person who had never seen a garbage disposal until a couple of weeks ago. She wondered what it was, and she did a video about it and embarrassed herself, or should have. She should have been embarrassed by it. <clears throat> but what she described didn't really seem all that luxurious. As I said, the, the, the apartment she just described, I mean, clean running water and clean air, 
But here's the kicker. Now, this is a little bit tough to understand. I think it's recorded from a cell phone. Uh, I'll translate at the, when we come out of it if you don't uh, really get the whole thing. But I hope you can hear this. So when we talk about what, what are we doing to make sure that housing is, is, is being legislated as a human right? What does that mean? What it means is that our access and our ability and our guarantee to having a home comes before someone else's privilege to earn a and, of course, it gets applause. So those people who are – it's in a bar, I think, where she was doing or some a restaurant or bar. She was, looked like she was sitting uh, with her back to a bar there, if you saw the video. But um, – and the people applaud because I don't know why. I guess uh, if you're listening to that, if I'm in that place and I'm listening to her, I'm thinking, where does what, – what is she talking about? What, what, what is she – what is – I know what I think is a luxury apartment. I'm sure there are poor people out there who live in, in, in bad housing – but to describe um, clean water as a luxury, that just, how could you be more clueless? Anyway, so our, she says, our, in case you weren't able to hear that all that well, our right to live in a nice house supersedes your privilege, your privilege to earn a profit. Uh, this is the face of the Democrat Party. This is the woman I'm constantly being told is brilliant. Her right, my right to live in a nice house supersedes Ryan Holmes if they're built if they've built a house and they want to make a profit. They first their first obligation is to make sure that I have a really nice house that I can afford. So you know they don't have you don't need that incentive for a builder or a landlord to want to, you know, make a profit. It's all supposed to be about making them feel good and making sure that you have clean water and clean air and public space. And again, this is someone we're being told is brilliant. And, and so I'm thinking, what about pants? What about our right to a nice pair of pants? Um, because I think I have a right to a nice pair of pants and maybe shoes, but does that supersede the right of the store owner to make a profit? I mean, I need a pair of pants, and I go in there. I can't afford those pants, but I have a right to own a nice pair of pants. So I know, I know what you're asking for them. I know what your price is, but, you know, come on, that's too much. You're just out there trying to make a profit, and that's not fair. So I want the pants. Give them to me, and I'll give you whatever I can afford. But it's my right to have a nice pair of pants. Same with Giant Eagle. I mean, does my right to food supersede Giant Eagle's right to make a profit? This person is a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. She's actually taken seriously by the adults in the Democratic Party, and if they could... Uh, if they could get the Constitution changed, they'd probably nominate her for president. She's not going to be ready until, let's see, she's 29, six years from now. She's going to be like eight years from now before she's ready to run for president. But uh, I, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if she does run. So that's just some of the stupidity. Now, uh, here's some more. And I've had this stuff. I had this uh, story laying around for a while. I saw it the other day. Didn't get a chance to mention it. <clears throat> dodgeball. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but dodgeball isn't just, this is a headline, dodgeball isn't just problematic. It's an unethical tool of oppression, according to researchers in Canada. Canada's becoming a very dangerous place. Uh, they have an idiot for a prime minister. Uh, and boy, of course, they gave a Barack Obama standing ovation at the basketball game the other night, the Toronto Raptors uh, uh, Warriors game. Uh, he walked in and they gave him a standing ovation. And uh, so they love Barack Obama up there. But they have, you saw, if you've, if you've seen their um, Trudeau, their prime minister, you can see why they would love Obama. But uh, this is what it says um, about um, dodgeball. Now, this is a, this is a group, um, this is thousands of um, academics are going to be gathering in Vancouver for the annual Congress of the Humanities and Social Sciences. That's going on right now between uh, up until the 7th of June. And they're going to present papers on everything from child marriage in Canada, ch child marriage, to why dodgeball is problematic. But here's this is what it says. This is what the people are saying um, about TAG, it says here. TAG, for example, singles out one poor participant – often the slowest child, as the dehumanized 
it. You're it. I've just dehumanized you, if we're playing tag. Uh, who runs uh, vainly in pursuit of the more uh, the uh, the faster person. Uh, so when the Canadian Society for the Study of Education meets in Vancouver, they're meeting now. Uh, they will they they will argue that dodgeball is not only problematic; it is the mo- uh, modern sense of displaying hierarchies of privilege based on athletic skill, but that it is outright uh, miseducative. Dodgeball is not just unhelpful to the development of kind and gentle children who become more decent citizens of a liberal democracy. It is secret, uh, is actively harmful to this process, they say. Dodgeball is a tool of oppression. So if your son or daughter is playing dodgeball in school these days, they are being oppressed. And this is a quote from somebody. Uh, who is this? Um, Do- Joy Butler. Joy Butler, professor of curriculum and pedagogy pedagogy at the University of British Columbia. As we consider the potential of physical education to empower students by engaging them in critical and democratic practices, I always, when I played dodgeball, I was always thinking about whether or not it was democratic. We conclude that the hidden curriculum offered by dodgeball is anti-ethical to this project, even when it reflects the choices of the strongest and most agile students. The hidden curriculum in dodgeball is far more nefarious than your average gym class runaround. Dodgeball is miseducative because it reinforces the five forces of oppression as defined by somebody. As Butler's Abstract describe it, as describes it, the five faces of oppression are marginalization, powerlessness, and helplessness of those perceived as weaker individuals through the exercise of violence and dominance by those who are considered more powerful. You know what she just you know what she just defined right there? Football and wrestling. You know what? The stronger person in wrestling wins and when you're the loser in a wrestling match, you're pinned to the mat and you're struggling to get up and the 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 person you're wrestling is forcefully putting you down on the mat and holding your shoulders to the to the mat and then the official comes up and bangs the mat and says pinned you lose you're humiliated you lost how could they do that to anybody football um same thing got the bigger kids faster kids they beat the team that has the slower kids uh, the smaller kids and the slower kids, or the the less athletic kids. It's called sports, okay? That's what it is, you know? How about boxing? I know everybody hates boxing, but, they, you know, they still do it. And you go in and somebody punches you in the face and knocks you out, punches you in the, in the jaw and knocks you out. That's kind of humiliating. And you know what you do if you're a boxer? Well, you come back and you have a you go fight again. You do it, do it again. You realize that that's what it is. The whole point of a sport is to try to not be humiliated by being beaten by somebody bigger and faster than you. If first of all, you shouldn't be humiliated if it's a fair game, and if you, it's just it's sports. But this is this is what they're this is what they're doing up in Canada. They've turned a dodgeball into oppression, and again. The, the woman describes what's happening in dodgeball as, as if that's the only sport where that happens. She described football, wrestling, even basketball, hockey. Hockey, you, you know, you skate down the ice, and there's a guy in the corner, and he's getting ready to get the puck, and you run right into him really hard, and it might hurt him. He might even feel some pain, and he's maybe a little bit humiliated because you took the puck away from him. It's sports. Why are, why are people insisting on ruining sports for kids. Dodgeball can be abused, I get that, but it's it's you know just to have a have a coach who's has some common sense and protect the kids from, you know, idiot idiotic kids who might take advantage of it, but it's sports, leave it alone. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Florida deputy who failed to confront a gunman during last year's Parkland massacre has been arrested. Scott Peterson faces 11 charges, including child neglect, culpable negligence, and perjury stemming from the February 14, 2018 shooting. He was dismissed today ahead of his arrest. 
on duty at the time of the shooting. As a Broward County deputy, Peterson was at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, but never went inside. In a rebuttal to a commission's report last month, Peterson claimed he had acted as he had been trained. Also today, Sergeant Brian Miller was terminated. A video shows he stayed outside in a parking lot, even as other law enforcement officers entered the building. George Bonzani reporting. A possible rate cut sent Wall Street skyrocketing today. The Dow up by 512 points. The Nasdaq rose 194. The S&P advanced 59. Oil up to 53.48 a barrel. This is SRN News. Okay, first time we read this commercial, he got one. So I had to get one. And we are both in love with this product. The glass chair mat by Vitraza. They're unbelievable. You know that junky plastic chair mat under your office chair or at home? Uh, Piece of garbage. It's the ugliest thing in your office. Vitraza glass chair mats are beautiful. Durable. Each one will support over a thousand pounds, so it'll even hold me. (laughs) They've got a lifetime warranty, and the way you feel rolling over smooth glass instead of cheap, crackly plastic, it's like working in a million-dollar office. And it's your office. And we got to mention this. Shipping is absolutely free. Absolutely. Lifetime warranty, scratch-resistant, stylish, Vitraza glass chair mats. You can't get them at the office superstore. you got to order them direct at vitraza.com slash life. That's V as in value, I-T-R-A-Z-Z-A, vitraza.com slash life. You'll want to remember that website. There's a discount code waiting for you for 10% off only at vitraza.com slash life. Mike Gallagher exposes the impeachment strategy of the Democrats. It kind of hit me. They might just want to hold the prospect of impeachment over his head for as long as they can, trying to do as much damage as they can to his standing. Maybe that's the play. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The Answer. Hunt Associates is your resource for examining the important financial aspects for your retirement plan. Listen to our podcast radio show, Hunt for Retirement, by visiting gwhunt.com. On this week's edition of Hunt for Retirement, we discuss securing lifetime income. Text HUNT to 555-888 or visit gwhunt.com to listen to the podcast now or call 844-366-HUNT for a free copy of the book, Income Allocation and a free retirement income report. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. What's inside your mattress affects its price, comfort, and durability. But most mattress manufacturers won't show you what's inside their products because they simply don't want you to know. How can you know if you're getting the best value if you don't know how your mattress is made? At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that transparency is what's best for our customers. So we have open displays of each model in our showroom so you can see and feel the difference in our products. Visit one of our local Original Mattress Factory stores to see exactly what we're made of. Not so long ago, all mattresses had two sides, and for good reason. You can flip two-sided mattresses regularly, making them last longer than one-sided mattresses. So, what happened to two-sided mattresses? In an effort to cut costs, most mattress manufacturers cut their mattresses in half. For nearly three decades, the original mattress factory has believed that building high-quality two-sided mattresses is the right thing to do. Visit us in one of our stores or at OriginalMattress.com to see how our products are built right and built to last. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Seeing some heavy delays on the inbound Parkway West, Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound busy also from Sawmill Run Boulevard to Carnegie Parkway East. That's stacking up outbound Boulevard of the Allies to Edgewood Swissdale. Inbound Forest Hills to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Some volume on outbound 28 from Veterans Bridge to 40th Street Bridge and slowing down outbound 51 Nobles Lane to Library Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Tonight we'll have patchy clouds with a low of comfortable 60. Then tomorrow it'll be more humid with a mix of clouds and sun. See a couple of showers and thunderstorms around meaning in the afternoon and evening. I'm going to be 76. Cloudy with a shower around late tomorrow night. It will be 63. Thursday starts out cloudy with a shower, then partial afternoon sun and a high of 77. 
With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, about 15 years ago, uh, exactly 15 years ago, actually, I was working in TV, and it was the 60th anniversary of D-Day. As you know, Thursday is the 75th anniversary. Uh, I was just a sports guy back then. I had a lot of interest in history, and I was wondering if any of the young uh, producers or interns working at the station at that time, uh, on that day, which was uh, June 6th, 2004, um, I was wondering what what they knew about D-Day, if they knew what it was. I asked several of them, and only one of many knew what it was and when it happened. I wondered what they were teaching uh, kids in history class back then. I still wonder that. That was 15 years ago. I have a feeling it's not much better today, probably worse. John uh, Daniel Davidson is a senior correspondent for The Federalist. He has some evidence of his uh, historical ignorance, and he joins us now. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, uh, before we get to the piece you wrote, just based on what you know in general and what you may have uh, just come across in your uh, research for your piece, what percentage of uh, kids do you think in high school now, today, they're still in school, they don't get out till next week, what percentage of them do you think, assuming they didn't uh, cover it this week because it's the 75th anniversary, what percentage do you think could tell you what D-Day was, when it happened, and why it's significant? <laughs> well, I don't know about percentage, but I would guess that it would be pretty low, partly because high school students don't really even take history classes at all anymore. They take something called social studies, uh, which is sort of a watered-down version of civics. Um, but history, per se, is very rarely studied explicitly in high school anymore. And for that matter, uh, it, it's rarely studied in college either, which is a big problem. Wow. And so is it not required in college? Is it, I mean, don't, you don't have to take a certain number of hours in history? There are many universities across the country, uh, state university systems and private universities and colleges where you can get a liberal arts degree without taking a history class. That's, That's true of my uh, hometown of uh, Austin and uh, at the University of Texas, and, and it's true elsewhere. You can take uh, uh, all kinds of electives and um, uh, other kinds of courses to fulfill your requirements for a liberal arts degree. Um, but but you don't have to take a, I, I should qualify that, you don't have to take a history survey class that uh, that, that really looks at the broad trends in history. You can take something like uh, the history of uh, disco or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, interesting you mentioned social studies. I went to Catholic schools uh, all the way through high school and even for a year and a half in college, and I never took a course that was called social studies, never. It was history, and, you know, when I was younger, it was geography. It was never something called social studies. I always wondered about that with my friends who went to public school, and they said, I got a, you know, I got a, a B in social studies. I didn't even know what it was. So we, we were taught history, and uh, now that I'm thinking about World War II, I can remember in, uh, I think it was in eighth grade, we were handed a blue book, which sent uh, some people I knew in college into uh, fits of fear, uh, we were handed a blue book, and and uh, there were two questions on the final list. Uh, one of them was list the causes of World War One, and uh, I mean, I, I so the idea that they don't even teach history is amazing to me. Yeah, that's right. I it, it, I remember the blue book as well from college. You had to fill fill them out or or die. Right. Right. Um, right. <laughs> no, it, it's a it's a huge hole in our education system, uh, starting from elementary and middle school all the way through college. Uh, you, you really don't have history being taught per se as history. And the problem, of course, is that the progressive left has a problem with history mm -hmm. um, because they view history as really uh, a catalog of crimes. Uh, and and injustices uh, perpetrated against the weak by the powerful. And so the 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 narrative construction they put on history makes teaching uh, about uh, the the great people of history, many of whom were men, many of whom were white men, a problem. Uh, so you have people who you know not only don't know what D Day is, but probably don't know who Eisenhower was or uh, Sherman or uh, McCarthy, or any of the other sort of uh, major figures of World War II. Wow. So your, your, your piece is about uh, historical ignorance, but you focus on the Civil War. And so what did you find, and what did you base it on? 
Well, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal recently about visitors to Civil War battlefields um, really on the decline all across the country. Um, you know, and uh, this for many years, for decades, Civil War battlefields have been really popular um, uh, vacation destinations for families all over the uh, country. And, uh, you know, the numbers um, have been going down. Uh, pretty precipitously uh, in recent years. And, uh, you know, part of the reason for that, I, I think, is, is unavoidable to conclude that interest in the Civil War is on the decline uh, because it's not being taught. It's not being taught in schools at the high school level. It's not being taught in college. Um, and so without any knowledge of the Civil War, why would anyone have any interest in going to a Civil War battlefield or looking at a Civil War monument or going to a Civil War cemetery uh, or learning maybe about the monuments that are in your town? And instead, you have this uh, urge to tear down monuments or to topple uh, grave markers of, of Confederates uh, uh, in this case uh, because the Civil War is taught as this great crime uh, rather than being taught as this essential part of our history that we actually have to know something about. Yeah, and um, uh, what, what, it's not just about what they're taught uh, or not taught, is it? It's about, it's, it's about how they're taught. And, you know, how, how these, if they do teach history, how it's presented to them. Yeah, that's right. And look, I, I, I will also say that it, it cuts both ways. There was the time in this country, particularly in the South, when the Civil War uh, was, was taught with a really uh, severe ideological slant uh, to favor the South and the Southern narrative of the lost cause and states' rights. Uh, and, and that, thankfully, has been corrected for the most part. Um, but yes, uh, to the extent that the Civil War or, you know, the, the, the founding fathers or, or any of, uh, of that early part of American history is taught as, at all, uh, it's generally taught uh, with a narrative construction on it that, that uh, you know, that these were great crimes that the United States committed against, um, uh, against various people groups. And, and that's the framework uh, under which it's taught. And it's amazing to me because um, when I think back, I, I, when I was in grade school, uh, we had good history. I told you we, you know, we were we were handed a blue book and told a list of the causes of World War One. But I, I found out just a few years ago that right outside, literally outside the window of the school where I went uh, in grade school, was a, a big battle during the Whiskey Rebellion, and uh, and. The 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 uh, the home of the uh, of the, the the treasurer and the man who was being uh, attacked because of the tax he lived on the basically on the grounds of the school and, and never once were we told about that battle that took place literally on the grounds nothing about the whiskey rebellion and that's a million years ago but and there's a lot I, we're we're in Pittsburgh here and and uh, there's a lot of history here that they I didn't know that the uh, the Lewis and Clark expedition started right out where Heinz Field is. That's that's where they put the boat in the water. I didn't know that till I read it in a book when I was fifty years old. So you know, there, there just doesn't. It's something that's been going on for a long time. That there, there just isn't an appreciation for it or an understanding of the importance of it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think it's getting worse now, uh, uh, partly because of the politicization of of uh, historical instruction. But yeah, it's a, it's a problem and it's an important thing for. Uh, for a free people, for people in a democratic republic like ours, to know their history, uh, to appreciate it, to understand it, and to pass it on to their children, where, uh, you know, history is all around us. And when we don't understand history and we don't know anything about it, uh, it it's too easy to cast it aside. And when you cast it aside, uh, you, you run the risk of, of making the same kinds of mistakes that we've made in the past and not really learning anything from history. And there's a whole lot that we as Americans can learn from our history if we would uh, bother to, to find out about it. We're talking to John Daniel Davidson. He's a senior correspondent uh, for The Federalist. You can find his piece at thefederalist.com uh, about this. Uh, and, and you have a lot of interesting uh, uh, facts in there about the, you know, uh, based on tests and and uh, that are handed out that the the percentage of uh, ignorance that's out there among the, the people who are taking the tests either high school or college college board exams and 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 not only that but what's not in those tests 
That's right. These Some of these advanced placement uh, college board exams for American history, uh, you know, omitted vast swaths of American history from the exam. Now, these are exams that uh, high school seniors take uh, as preparatory exams for college, and they're sort of uniform, and, uh, you know, the college board is a very prestigious uh, institution, and uh, high schoolers all over the country take these exams. And the National Association of Scholars uh, decided a couple of years back to take a look at these exams, and they found uh, there were there were huge blank spots in what they, these students were being asked about American history. Uh, and then they did the same thing for the College Board's advanced placement test about European history, and found the same thing. Uh, now these are supposed to be AP tests uh, for for high schools seniors and graduates were going into college. So these are things that, that uh, you know, th- these are college-bound seniors who should have already learned about all this stuff. They're not even being asked about it on the test. You know, and this tracks with other studies that have been done uh, looking at the, you know, college learning assessments about how much college students actually learn while they're in college. Uh, and the, the, the studies that have been done have show, by and large, many college students show almost no progress in their actual knowledge of the various subject matters over the course of their time as undergraduates, um, which should be a huge concern to everybody, given the amount of money and time that we all are investing in higher education right now. But it's obviously not a concern to the people who are supposed to be doing the teaching, either in high school or college. So what, what's their defense? Well, I think a lot of the people who are supposed to be doing the teaching uh, at the college level have tenure and are are uh, are you know largely pursuing much more narrow fields that they are interested in as scholars, uh, and many of them, frankly, are are quite progressive in their politics, uh, and so you know have a political axe to grind um, and 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 teach according to that that political viewpoint. Um, you know, the colleges themselves, though, I think uh, really are just happy to take, uh, you know, federally backed student loans uh, and not teach the students anything and just use their tuition payments and their loans to build better and better student services. That's what we see all over the country, these huge universities with all these services and nobody's learning anything. Yeah, it's almost like uh, if, they're, if that's the way they're going to teach history, then I'd prefer they didn't teach it. I mean, yeah, that's right. It, it, yeah, that's right. It would be better to, if we defunded liberal arts colleges and liberal arts schools at publicly uh, funded universities than to have what we have right now. Now, you mentioned uh, the, the the college board exams. How about a European a, a, an exam on European history? And there's no mention of Christopher Columbus. That's right, because Christopher Columbus is a he's problematic a, figure. He's a bad he, guy. Yeah. Uh, he, He's a, he's a bad guy, and so and so you either don't bring him up at all, or if you do bring him up, you only bring him up to say what a bad guy he was. Uh, and, and this rough paradigm can be applied to most of American history, most of European history. So you either get people who have no idea who Christopher Columbus is, or people who only the only thing they know about Christopher Columbus is that he was a genocidal maniac who, you know, slaughtered Native Americans and and uh, uh, you know was essentially a, a pirate in the employ of Spain, um, and that all his statues and holidays his statues should be torn down and his Columbus Day should be canceled. Um, that's basically the model, and you see it playing out uh, every time these historical controversies pop up and uh, it's an interesting problem for columbus ohio and columbus georgia but uh, they haven't they haven't faced that one yet um how about uh uh the the, uh, the name howard zinn why should we uh, be blaming him for some of this yeah well the howard zinn of course uh infamously authored people's history of the united states it was published in 1980 and it sort of became uh the, the template for this sort of left progressive narrative about the United States. And the narrative, essentially, is that the uh, people uh, have been victims of their rulers and have been oppressed by their rulers, and that's really the story of America. And it sort of inverted the idea of history being um, the story primarily of 
great men who accomplished great things, um, men and women who accomplished great things, uh, and really uh, the story of the oppressed and the oppressor, a social justice approach to history, essentially. And that has been the dominant narrative that dominated our public schools and our colleges and universities for the past 30 years. Well, I have a, uh, uh, John, I have a, uh, a, a story in my hands here about a, they're all excited in New York because it's the first uh, statue for a trans person. Um, and, but the, the thing is, there's a movement up there. I don't know if you're aware of this, but New York has only five monuments of women, but over 150 statues of men. And the goal of this uh, organization, I forget what the name of it is, is to boost the ratio to 50% of women monuments. So, uh, it's like 150 to five. Uh, do they do they tear down like a hundred statues of men, and then or do they or do they add 145 statues of women? How do you think you solve that one? <laughs> I don't think you ever solve that one. It's a it's a it's a loser's game. But that said, I am for all for more monuments. I think we should have we should not be tearing down monuments. We should be adding monuments. We should be adding. Uh, plaques that give more historical context to monuments. I would love to see a monument to uh, Union sympathizers in Texas on the lawn of the Austin State Capitol, for instance, or a, you know, a monument to the German immigrants that fled to Mexico when Texas seceded from the Union, but were were killed before they could get across the Rio Grande. Uh, we need to tell those stories. So more monuments, not fewer monuments. I say. Okay, John, I really appreciate it. I'm out of time. Always good to have you on. We'll have you on again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's John Daniel Davidson, and he's with The Federalist, and we'll be right back. talk about his work with Miracle League in Moon Township. Fields for athletes with special needs. Jim Leland, the Pirates' former manager, is also involved in that project. Jim, thanks for being here. Great to be here, John. Great to talk to you. Tell me about the Miracle League of Moon Township. It's just a great thing for these kids, and it's a wonderful opportunity for people to participate. Some people are a little less fortunate than others, and I think it's just a great opportunity for people to volunteer and to help out and put a smile on somebody's face. I've seen the field that they put out in Upper St. Clair. It's amazing. Oh, it's unbelievable. The way they construct these things, they have the ramps and everything for the kids. It takes a little stress off the parents. I think it's what Pittsburgh's all about. It's just a great thing. It'll serve Montour, West Allegheny, Moon, Sewickley, Weirton, Steubenville, Beaver County, and surrounding communities. Approximately 100 to 200 children will be eligible to participate and it'll also serve adults with special needs. So it's a great cause. And if you'd like to see how you can help, maybe donate some money, check it out at miraclesinmoon.org. Miraclesinmoon.org. We'll be right back. The following is not an actor, but a real life story from Trinity Debt Management. I had a lot of credit card debt and I couldn't pay my bills. I was feeling so bad. I got to a point where I needed some help. So I reached out and contacted Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976 to talk to a certified counselor. They were able to take all of my different payments and put them all together. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment. Put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. And they were actually able to work with my creditors. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000 in the last 18 months. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. My name is Stephanie, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-990-6976. Obamacare, Trump Care. ACA, COBRA, there are so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind, expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today. Fortunately, I know someone that has been on the forefront of health insurance for years, Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you choose the best plan for your needs and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. Worried about the penalty? All of Marley Financial plans are penalty exempt because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. 
share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. Social media marketing is on the verge of dominating commerce. The right social media strategy can help you slay the competition and gain new customers. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. Your competition is already social. Catch them and surpass them. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. We know how to make every digital dollar count towards sales success. Now there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, I was a history major in college. I like history, and you will uh, notice if you listen to this show that I'll I make references to it and like it. Uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, we will have someone from the history uh, Heinz History Center here to talk about D Day and and uh, some of the things that uh, are Pittsburgh related and Western Pennsylvania related to D Day, with the anniversary of which is on Thursday. Uh, you know, and I'm only got about a few seconds here, but I was thinking about this during the break. The sad thing is that when I was a kid. Uh, and it's only been very fairly recently that they've had the ability to do this. But a teacher can now put up on a big screen in the class a video of D-Day. It takes in, in 30 seconds. A teacher could say, here, here's what ha- here's what D-Day looked like. I had to look at pictures. And until the uh, Internet and the YouTube generation, you couldn't do that. So I mean, this is such a, an opportunity there to be good at teaching history and they're actually worse with all these tools that they have that's sad see you tomorrow we'll talk more about d-day the john steigerwald show is a production of am 1250 the answer and salem media group three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.